Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Sourdough, coming to you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. Man, do we have a cool program for you all today. I have no doubt you will learn, grow, and be inspired by today's show. Before we get into our main event, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and subscribe. Your likes and follows help ensure you won't miss any of our new shows, and it makes the algorithm gods happy, which helps us. So thanks for that. Also, be sure to visit our website, notrealart.com. Sign up for our newsletter to keep your finger on the pulse of everything we're doing here at Not Real Art for artists and our lovers. A lot of great stuff there. On the website, you'll see you'll get uh, free educational videos. You can sign up for our artist grant for the chance to receive two thousand dollars. Can buy affordable original and contemporary art through our partnership with Sugar Press. And you can become a supporter through Patreon if you want. So be sure to check out our website today for all the good, healthy stuff we got for you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we have yet again another one of our 2021 Not Real Art Grant for Artists winners. The one and only Carmen Mardones, hailing from Chile, who is an incredible human being. And I'm not just talking about her art. I'm talking about the work she does and has done helping incarcerated women in Chile and the stories that she told me and the stories that you'll hear on this podcast are incredible. You know, having come from a slightly privileged background in Chile for her to go work in the prisons with incarcerated women was just such an act of, of, of love and empathy and compassion. And so you're going to love all of that, but definitely check out Carmen's artwork as well. I mean, it's hard to explain because it's, you know, how do you explain awesome? How do you explain dopeness? (laughs) You got to see it to believe it. But working with, uh, working with her hands to sew and knit and embroider, working with fabrics and found pillows and mattresses, her, her artwork is really special and fresh and, you know, like her filled with love and passion. So I think you're really going to love this episode. So without further ado, let's get into this and hear from the one and only Carmen Mardones. Carmen Mardones, welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast. 
Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having me here. Well, first of all, we have to say congratulations. You are one of our six 2021 Not Real Art Grant winners, and we couldn't be more thrilled to have you part of the Not Real Art family. Congratulations on winning our grant. Oh, thank you so much. I'm the one who is thrilled for be part of this amazing group. Your work is so special. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, our we want our grant winners to demonstrate, obviously, not just wonderful artistic abilities and talents and techniques and, you know, what have you, but we also hope that our grant winners have interesting stories, you know, that, that, that there's a humanity there that doesn't maybe um, always get celebrated or, and, you know, because we think that, you know, obviously that speaks to the art as well. And, and, and your background is so interesting. If, if nothing else, you know, your work with incarcerated women in Chile, I mean, that, it, talk to me about that. I mean, I wanted, that was one of the first questions I wanted to ask you because I wanted to, you know, we'll get into the art and we'll talk about all of that. And of course, our listeners can go to your website and see all of your beautiful work and, and we'll talk about all of that. But I wanted to talk about the other things that feed your soul and the work that you do and specifically the work that you've done with incarcerated women. Yes, Sure. I moved to the U.S. four years ago. So before that, and for around nine years, I was working in Chile in different jobs, but all of them related mostly with prisons and especially with women in prison. Even though my my studies were in history, not in... I don't know, social work or psychology. Because my my university campus was in front of the woman prison in the capital of my country. So one day I and a friend got an invitation to work with the woman in the prisons, to work with one of the one group who was in drugs therapy. I don't know if that's the correct term, but they were like trying to heal for a consume like a hard, a strong drugs. So we start visiting them for around one or two years. And we were spending like all the morning on Friday with them, just trying to talk, nothing like to I don't know like there were they were dealing with a lot of things so we were just trying to uh, share with them our mornings are also like trying to make some art trying to distract them all of the women there it was a group of around 20 women they were moms and most of the people in Chile who is in prison they were poor like the big mistake that they had was were born poor so then they make some mistakes that and in the prison but they were not not like they were not killers they were uh, like they were not really dangerous uh, and, and at least is what i think it's more like the life didn't give to them like opportunities to be someone to have like a peaceful good life so they and uh, i don't know selling drugs but like 
small amount just to feed their kids or they start like stealing in the grocery stores because they need to feed their kids. So we're like really strong stories that we I was with this friend able to share with them. And that for me was like really, really powerful. That experience changed my life completely. After that, I think that it changed a lot the way that I see my life, their life, and how I understand what I have to do in my life. So at the begin- when, when I started studying history, I was thinking to be a teacher. But then when I started working in prisons, I decided that I want to keep working with prison people, hopefully women, but also men. So for the next around eight, nine years, I worked uh, uh, in being like a volunteer, but then professionally working with prisons, trying to bring to the prison and especially for the people who is in prison, like better quality life, opportunities, things that they can learn. So after they leave the left the prison, they can have another opportunity. Yeah, I think that that's a simple way to explain what I was doing back in Chile. You said this work changed your life and changed your perspective. Talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about how meeting these women, talking to these women, getting to know these women changed your view of womanhood and your own uh, identity. Yeah, of course. It's a little bit hard to me to explain in English because I'm really passionate about this, but I'm feeling and I'm thinking in Spanish. But I'm going to do my best. I was born in a really privileged family. I have my mom, my dad. They were able to take care well of us. They were able to provide us like good education, food every day, three, four times per day. I have my siblings, etc. I don't think that is easy for people when they were born in that bright side of the world and the life to empathize or uh, or f- like yeah to share like with people who didn't have that opportunity in their life uh, usually because we live in different sides of the city, different side of the world. Like usually when you interact with them is when they are in the street, like asking you for money or when they steal you something. So the, um, how do you usually see them? It's like they scare you. They give, they get your violent like side. They afraid you. But because I was able to visit them every every week and share with them like their sadness, their worry about their kids, like they have like their kids uh, in the government institutions or with some sometimes with the grandma or with some aunt, and they were worried. Oh, the school is gonna start, and I I can send money to my kids, how I'm going to dress them, how am I going to feed them. When I was able to be able to share with them that like super strong and deeply feelings, it changed the way that you see that person. I mean, I I still can understand why they are in prison, but I can't 
still see them like just like, oh, no, they, they should be a prison and I don't care what happened with them because I care. Prisons in Chile are like super like crowded. There's like no water. There are people sleeping in the floor. The bathroom didn't doesn't work. People don't receive their opportunity. So if if people who was like born with nothing and then they work in the in the only way that they know they I don't know with when you don't have good health when you didn't have a family that they love you when you didn't have like education it's it's not it's not easy at all to to find a way to to feed your kids to pay for bills in a like social uh, approved way so and when they end at the prisons super young before 14 years old and they spend like 10 years there because they they go to, they send to the prison this woman then they get free and then of course they steal again or they keep selling drugs because they do, they don't know another way so you you start like questioning yourself and the political structure like what are we doing wrong like why we are not providing to these people opportunities to be like social i don't know if it's the word like so, social like correct social people you know so it was for me like really frustrated to see these women in prison and see how the the country i don't know didn't offer them like opportunities to change their life like real opportunities, like we should like uh, teach them, like se- give them like some scholar grades that they can, I don't know, if they learn to read better, to math, they can have a job, but that doesn't happen in a good way. So that's why it changed like my my life because it changed the way that I see the injustice in my country and also my political like position because I don't think that after a meeting with this woman every week for more than a year you you can be like oh I don't care I don't care who is in the who is the president or what is the justice minister saying like I care I I think that my taxes should like use in a better way to provide them better opportunities so I start like being more involved in in those topics. And these women do not have access, and I'm not talking, not just the women in prison, but the women who live uh, impoverished, maybe they were born with no parents, uh, no opportunities, but also no birth control, right? Uh, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Chile's are really, well, as US as the US, like really conservative, like so birth control is an issue. Abortion is it doesn't exist. If you abort, you are gonna go to prison. So it's like super con- contradictory because <laughs> Yeah, they have like four or five kids. They were super young and the government say like, Oh, you have to take care of your kids, sorry, but we don't we don't have money. We don't we can't. Well, that's your problem, but you you have to take care of your kids, or we are gonna 
take it away. So it's, it's, it's really, really stressful, the situation. And of course, for the kids, it's horrible. Sometimes I, I was able to see those kids before or after they visit their moms. And I can express with words, without like deeply sadness, how sad were those kids. Like just their eyes were like empty, you know, like, can you imagine like a baby or a three years old kid like visiting their mom in prison once per week, once per month, as as much as some someone can bring him to the prison and be able to spend like maybe one, two hours with their mom and then have to say bye, like be away of their her hugs is is horrible. Is yeah. Yeah. Were you a mother at the time when you were doing this work? No, 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 no. I was not. I was I was 19 years old or something like that. Just a dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I get frustrated with this country, you know, the hypocrisy um that uh, that we see in this country and 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 what you're talking about in Chile, it's, you know, it's the same maybe little worse i don't know but the hypocrisy is 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 you can't expect someone to take care of their children if they don't have opportunities and you can't expect people to not have children if you don't give them education a reproductive education or 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 birth control and and when the church is in charge or is dictating culture or rules or what have you, it, it, it sets people up for, or the government, the church, whatever it is, um, it sets people up for failure. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's like a circle of contradictory and violence at the same time. That is, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, I, I, I remember in, in college, uh, I was living in Chicago and, um, in college I was, uh, to earn money, I was a bike messenger, you know, delivering, uh, you know, packages on my bike. I remember, um, one of the other bike messengers who was a kid, young black kid who lived on the West side of Chicago in the project, super nice guy. And we started talking and our lives couldn't have been more different, you know? And he was telling me, he told me two things. The like the first day I met him, it's a true story. You know, after we were we were having lunch and we were sort of talking, and and uh, and he tells me that uh, he's got to take off half a day because his girlfriend's having a baby, and he was going to go be with her. And I said, "Oh, congratulations!" You know, like this, this is, and uh, and I said, "Is this your first? He said, "No, it's my third. And uh, the kid was, I was 22 at the time. This guy was probably 18, 19. And I said, I said, three. I said, wow. I said, that's, you know, that's a lot of responsibility or something. And he said, well, he said, it's okay because the more babies I have, the more welfare I get. And for him, having kids, uh, more kids, more money, more kids, more money. And yet, you know, there were there weren't any other opportunities for him beyond that, right? Really, to make money because he didn't have a good education, he didn't have, you know, maybe uh, maybe it was a broken home. And so he told me that, and he also told me that if I, he could get me a gun if I needed one, 
There were those, those are the two things, right? But this was his reality, you know, and I didn't, I didn't have any judgment. For me, it was just a shock, you know, that, that this was happening in, in, in a, in a, in a rich country that could feed the world. I mean, there's no reason why anybody should be hungry in this world. Well, that, that is, I think that one of the major problem to the U.S. that this country is like broken in two. Like now that being homeless in California is is illegal and the police is like, I don't know, using like, I don't know the word to get the people out of the beach and the street when living <laughs> this Where are they going? And, Where are they going to yeah, go? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there's like a major issue of mental health, uh, but health is too expensive to be to pay. At the same time, you have the richest people in this country that they can feed the whole fucking world. So it's it's so insane. Like, and I even though it's like it it drives me crazy sometimes. It, I also like feel really grateful for the chance that I have in Chile to visit that those prison and to be able to open my heart and my eyes to to that not bright part of the life that usually we are not able to see that close, to share with them their their life, you know, because it's usually with some like space in between that it's easy to us to judge them, like to, but we don't share their shoes. So it's easy to say like, oh, they should do blah, blah, blah. But yeah, then you go to sleep to your nice bed. So even though I was not in prison, uh, they were, those women were so uh, generous with me, so open to share their life. And that changed completely my life. It sounds as though you developed real friendships. I I don't know if there were friendship, but we definitely were really, really close. Yeah. Do you know what, uh, where these women are today? I'm afraid that most of them are dead. Do you think they died in prison? Do you think they got out of prison and uh, were, were 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 killed or died of natural causes? No, or what, what I do you think, think that especially that group they have like uh, drugs, uh, like really strong issues. So probably, I mean, over overdoses or something like that. I think that most of them like die or are like in a still like, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, not good situation. <laughs> so these are some of the things that frustrate you and anger you uh, about your home country. Tell me about some of the things that make you happy that you love about your home country. I've never been to Chile. And really? uh, <laughs> yeah, I've only been to I've only been to Peru and South America. Uh, it's the only place I've ever been. I almost was able to get to Chile a couple of years ago and then it and then something happened and I couldn't go last minute. So tell me about your country. What makes you happy? What makes you smile? What do you love about your country? Yeah, well, I think that you will love it. Chile is like a super long country. It's it's, it's pretty thin, but it's, it's super long. So our geography is like we have desert in the north, but we have amazing mountains and snow in the winter in some of the areas we have like 
uh, native forests, pretty beautiful. I don't know, like we have ocean, we have ports. Like it's it's a it's an amazing country. Or yeah, it, it is like really beautiful. One of the things that it's it's making me really happy for the last maybe two and a half years is that. I don't know if you know Chilean history, but we have like a long dictatorship during the 70s, 80s and our constitution until now where was the one wrote under Pinochet dictatorship. And during the 2019, at the end of the year, uh, people start like more strongly because it it was going for a couple of years, but then people start like striking strongly, asking for a new constitution and also for more social justice and and rights for the people. And it was like a really violent month, especially because the government used the police and also the army, so they shoot the people. A lot of people lost one of their their eyes, so it was like really scary for us and also like really painful to be far away but because of those strikes this year we vote and there's a commission who's uh, just start like working and writing a new constitution and it's super interesting because this group who is gonna write our constitution is more than 100 people from different backgrounds and different side of our country and there's not just actually the less of them are politicians more of them are like normal people who are being involved in in bright or or new constitution and that's being like really really beautiful and powerful to see and some of our native people like mapuches others from the north are in this group and actually the president of the commission is a woman and is a is a mapuche woman so it's it's been like a really powerful and beautiful times even though of course they're not the violence and the government is trying to this working again this commission but it's been like really really hopeful to see that we have a chance to change dictatorship and also that we have a chance to build a better country for our people for our kids so that's been amazing and we are really proud of our people for all the people who give their life their eyes for for this opportunity You grew up in Santiago? I grew up in Santiago yes and my partner is from the north from almost Peru <laughs> <laughs> right. What was life like for you growing up in Santiago? Did you live in the heart of the city? Did you live in the outskirts? Did you live in the high country, the low country? Did you live near the water? What was life like growing up? Yeah, well, I, I'm from Santiago. That's the capital of Chile. And it's, 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 it's the biggest city in the country. It's pretty big. I don't want to compare to LA because here is like much more people, but it's like a, a modern uh, city. So I, I, we, we are Santiago is surrounded by Los Andes or or mountains. So if you are lost 
in the city, you have to see the mountains and decide if you are going to north, west, south, whatever. And it's, it's a beautiful view during the winter because it's with snow. And we don't have ocean in Santiago because we have the Andes and then the other mountains are mountains around. So yeah, I was living in the city in a privileged neighborhood. Were your parents were your parents professionals? You say you grew up you grew up with privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they are both. They are both uh, professionals. Uh, my mom just started working again a couple of years ago because we are a big family. As a privileged one, I'm the oldest for um, nine siblings. Nine siblings. You have you have eight brothers and sisters. That's amazing. Well, just one brother and then eight sisters. Seven oh, sisters. So- oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's epic. What a what yeah. a beautiful what a beautiful thing. Are you fairly stair stepped in age or is there uh big ranges? Well, I'm the oldest. I'm turning thirty-three in two days. And then Hey, happy birthday. Yay. Thank you. And then the youngest is 20 years. It's in, I mean, there's 20 years between me and the youngest. So she's turning so 13. 13. Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. like, of course, between me and her is a big gap. But in between, it's like 18 right. months. There's like two, two years, years, maybe two yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you the only artist in the family? I'm the only professional one, probably. But I think that we are a really artsy family. And we, I have a lot of siblings that are still at college or school. Mm, so. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. But uh, but but arts and creativity and creative expression is a family trait. Yeah, it is. We at least now they have TV. But when I was growing up, even though I was in a privileged family, as I told you, we didn't have TV. My parents didn't like it. So like read books and also like make art. It was a big deal. Yeah. What kind of music filled the uh, house? You know, that's funny because it was not too too much music. Actually, yeah, I don't know why. Maybe because there were like a lot of kids in the house or soundtrack was the kids music. So like, yeah, not like... I don't know, not Odell's music or not like contemporary music. And actually, when I'm working now, I'm usually working in silence, not with music. Probably because the same. My partner, who is like more musician, is the one who is like building my soundtrack now. And my son. <laughs> <laughs> building your soundtrack. That's right. That's right. You know, in your bio, you talked about when you became uh, a mother. Uh, unexpectedly, that your anger, your rebellion against the conservative values of your uh, country, of your culture, in terms of you not having reproductive rights over your own body. Uh, talk a little bit about that. You know, it, 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 it must have been a very challenging time for you. Yeah, it was. Well, I, I as I was telling you, I was working at that point, like 2016, I was working in the biggest university and the most like famous is the is a better one in Chile I was working at the university with prisons and students I was really enjoying my work I think that I I was pretty good at what I was doing and then at the end of the year my 
my husband was applying for PhD at, at the US. And my plan uh, was to move here and to probably, I mean, I, I, I knew that I have to improve my English, but also I was planning to keep working in something similar at what I was doing in Chile, like social justice, probably work with women, prison, etc. And then we realized that we were pregnant and that the baby is was coming at the same time that we should start moving to the U.S., yeah, the first thing, of course, was decide to keep the baby. Like, say, okay, this is unexpected, but okay, we are gonna keep him, and that's yeah, that was of course the first step. And then I was like, okay, we are moving to the US. We are gonna have tight budget because I don't know if you are familiar with the how the PhD usually work, but when the university accept you they contract you also so you are not paying for the fees uh, the university f- pay you but they pay you like really really low honestly it's like just for the housing so we are like with a super tight uh, budget also I didn't have like too much money to pay for a, actually I didn't have money to pay for a daycare uh, for my kid but also I didn't want my kid to be raised for another one because after work so many years with women in prison and parents in prisons, I knew that it was a privilege to also be able to raise my kid. And when you don't have family here, so it's not that my mom or my mother-in-law, uh, it, it was the one who was going to take care of my kid. So I decided that I wanted to take care of my kid, but I didn't want to become what my super religious school teach me, like to ha- you have to be the woman in the house and take care of your kids, your husband, and then your life is done. So I was like a battlefield in myself. Like I, I want to take care of my kid, but I don't want to be just a mom, just a woman in the house. So then is when I say, okay, I'm going to give a chance to to my artsy side that I was always working more like a hobby and I'm gonna become a real artist that desire that I like uh, make like a couple of months before my kid was born it was like really necessary for me because when I moved to the U.S., I was like, okay, I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to stay at home taking care of him until he start going to school. But also I'm going to be a professional artist. So I'm going to work as much as I can. I'm going to push my artsy boundaries as further as I can to become an artist. So because I didn't want to lose my identity, you know, like even though I was like losing, uh, quitting the job that I really love, I, I really needed to choose a new path that filled me and that keep me being what I am. So, yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> yes. No, it, well, it, it absolutely does. And there's a lot in there to kind of unpack. But I, I do have to ask this question first, because you've been in the States now, what, three years? Oh, uh, in October, it's going to be four years. Four years. Okay. Have you at all considered working with incarcerated women here? Yeah, I would love to do that. The problem until now is that I have to take care of my kid. Yes, I understood. Yeah, so Yes. And ever, given everything you just said about not having your family here that would be able to support you to go do these other things, you are 
here being full time? We, with my partner, we didn't like really take a break for Orchid in the last four years. Like it's 24 hours like during the four years. So we are honestly at this point, we are exhausted. Like I want to do so many other things, but right now I'm trying to take care of my mental health too. So I'm like taking care of my kid as better as I can and making art that I'm... I. If you follow me my social medias, you are going to see that I never stop. I'm like obsessed with my practice, but that's because it's the only way that I can be sane. Like it keeps me sane from the stress, for the, yeah, for everything. So yeah, but I'm pretty sure that in the future I'm going to go back to prisons because my heart is there. Well, listen, I mean, I, I totally empathize. I'm a parent. I have two kids uh, under eight, but I have family here. Yeah. Um, I have, you know, help and I'm exhausted. <laughs> I, you know, I can only imagine how you feel as, as you continue to want to produce your work as well. On top of it, it's a high wire act, you know, very... Um, precarious, but yet your cultural output, I mean, you're so prolific still. The work you're making, I love, by the way, I love your work. I really do. Yeah, I do. There's just something, well, you know, there's a, there's a organic nature to it that speaks to me on some level, but just the, the richness and the, the, the texture and the layers and the, the, the dimensionality, uh, I don't know. It just, it just really resonates with me um, personally. And I just, I just love your work. Tell the audience um, in your own words what you're trying to say with your current practice and your current body of work. Well, I, I think that it has like at least two different layers, but because for one side, I'm using this card, the domestic textiles as pillows and sheets. So there's like my... Um, my side worry about the climate change and responsibility about or or waste. And textile waste is one of the huge problems uh, right now. I think that is what the first or the second like thing that make more waste, and this is like slower to decompose. So yeah, that's one thing, and you will surprise how much like sheets and pillows people discard like every year. So. That's one thing. And, and, also, and, and, mattress, and mattresses, right? But yeah, that's a exactly, whole other exactly, thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm not working right now with mattresses just because I'm, I work at home. So I don't have yeah, any space, no space for mattresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> now I have my second bathroom full of pillows and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's one it's the co It's the coziest room in the house. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. With all the pillows. <laughs> And I always like wishing or hoping that even though I clean the pillows, they're like, you know, they're not bags there or something. But it, it, it didn't happen until now. So no good. Yeah. And the other side, as I was telling you, and or as you were asking me, like being an artist for me is like a way to be rebel of what I was raised for. So for me, my practice, not just like what I'm producing, also my practice is 
is trying to be rebel. Like, you know, when you when you, I work with my kid around, when he's playing around with me, or like sometimes he's like reading a book, so playing by, by himself. But most of the time we are playing at the same time that I'm working or I'm cooking, I'm embroidering, I'm playing with him. So I'm like trying to resist to become that woman that I don't want to be. And my style, my embroidery style, that is like really freestyle with long stitches, like loose threads, is also because the same. Like I, it's, it's, a, it's a really cathartic process. Like my practice and my work is the way that I can feel the freedom. Like I can be working without be worried about all the things that you are worried when you are a parent. So it's, it's, it's really cathartic. It's really free, like freestyle. And it's really also like, I don't know, for the last couple of months or maybe more than a year already, I've, I want to surround people with my art because for me, it's being, it's the thing that is saving my soul, you know, like it's keeping me sane. And at the home, I feel like surrounded by my threads, my embroideries and everything. So I'm growing size. I'm like going like more sculptural always with this desire to like want to hug people, want to sh- to to make feel them as well as I feel when I'm working in my art. So it's really colorful. And yeah, I don't know. People, what they say at least is like they always want to touch uh, my work. Like, and also now with the sculptor, it's like, oh, may I hug the sculptor? May I sleep here? So yeah, I think that is working and I really want to keep growing the size. Yeah. The prolific nature of your output implies that uh, you work very quickly. Is that accurate? Because your work is very detailed as well. I mean, you know, there's a lot of of stuff going on, a lot of precision, a lot of repetition, a lot of work, 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 work. But you, but but, are you working fast, or are you? What is your technique? Is it a is it a fast hand? Uh, are you fast handed? Well, I don't think that is fast, but it's definitely faster than other embroidery techniques. So, but. My size is 10 times like a common embroidery, at least. I I think that I work a lot. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no sleep. No sleep. No, no, I sleep. No, okay, I sleep good. because if I don't sleep, I'm in super like grumpy and I have to take care of my kid. So, but I'm usually when I wake up, I start embroidering and then during the whole day, I'm embroidering at the same time that I'm doing my other errands. So... Some days I work like maybe four hours, but others like eight or more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, but okay. So, and that's wonderful to hear that you're able to sleep because of course that gets to mental health, that gets to health, wellness. I mean, how do you approach self-care? Because so many artists, you know, find self-care challenging for all kinds of reasons. I mean, obviously the last year, year and a half has been difficult anyway for self-care and mental health, given the global pandemic. Talk to me a little bit about how you're able to self-care and guard your mental health and your physical health, for that matter, and your spiritual health. I mean, what is your approach to self-care, generally speaking? I think that 
I don't taking care of myself well now or, or like already is is being uh really challenging yeah because covid because i'm physically tired even though i'm trying to sleep i'm n i'm not sleeping well so there's a lot of things that i'm like already like trying to work on but i think that i have like kind of three things that came me like that i try to keep to take care of myself like the first is like to keep working I think that honestly without creating art as much as I'm doing now I will be crazy I I'm I'm being like worse that I'm doing now that is like I'm super tired but I'm in a good mood I I'm I'm having dreams I'm I have shows I'm working because I when I decided that to become an artist it was like this is going to be my north star for the next year so I'm being ambitious that it can be like not good for your self care but it's also like good for me now because it keep me like alive I have like a desire in my life so that's really important for me right now but also I lady plant I have a lot of plants at home and that's have more life around have a beautiful apartment taking care of plants is really important for me yeah because I love beauty yes 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 well and it gets to nature too because it's so important uh, I think for mental health for health to to be in nature to get outside to be and the plants speak to that right yeah yeah and the and the third time that we are doing for the last I don't know more than a couple of months is that we are like trying to go to the beach every Sunday and spend the whole day in the in the beach that that's we I don't know we prepare breakfast and then we drive to the beach and we stay there until four or five or whatever yes, we want yes, to stay yes. so for at least one day in the week we feel like we are on vacations that we are far away for our problems that or whatever that we are tired or kid play he's so happy there and we can like rest or like refresh our minds or and our hearts so I think that that's uh, with the keep working on my practice uh, that's like uh, it's been a rock in in this moment well that's a powerful thing you're saying because you know we do happen to live in Southern California we live in Los Angeles we, the beach is very accessible it's not that expensive at the end of the day. And if you're able to go there on a regular basis, like, you know, say one day a week, I'm going on vacation to the beach and you do that. I mean, that's going to be huge over time. Over the course of the year, that's uh, 52 trips to the beach. You know, that's going to be a wonderful impact, have a wonderful impact on your on your health. Yeah, it is. I'm really grateful to be able to to do that. That's one of the great things to have, to live in a city with beach. So you, you grew up Catholic? Yeah, yeah. So have you rejected your yeah, Catholicism? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that we are still religious. Like, we are a religious person, but we definitely not define ourselves as Catholic, and we are not raising our kid as a Catholic kid. Yeah, so, yeah. It, and what was the... Was it was it women's reproductive rights? Was it children abuse uh, by priests? Was it uh, something else? Uh, all of those things. What what was really the the one factor that caused it was you a to mix of, of all yeah, of that? Yeah. And when you 
at some point I was so angry after like leaving I don't know the word in English, but the ceremony every Sunday, like I, after listening the priest and think that he was talking some dumb or stupid things that he was, he didn't know what he was talking about or that the incongruency or the, yeah, at, 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 at some point I was like coming to this thing. It's just, keeping me angry and angry and angry like I'm not like being in peace here what should it be right because they always say like oh no come to Jesus or come to the church you are gonna find peace you are gonna find happiness but at some point it was like I don't want to be part of this like I want to be a woman that people can trust my word that I can like I can stand by my words, that I can be able to answer for what I say and what I feel and what I think. And I don't think that the Catholic Church is is a grow-up woman or man at this point. It's just like being, they, they're acting like cha- children, you know, like, oh, we didn't know, sorry. <laughs> and yeah, you have to understand. Yeah. And yeah, God loves us. And it's like, what the hell? Like, you should go to prison, you know, like, as a common person, or you should respond and in front of the justice, etc. So it was like, okay, this is not making me, a, I don't feel that it's like making me a better person. It's making yes, me an yes, angry yes, person. Yes, yes, so I don't, yes. I don't want to be part of Because part of, of what you're getting at, right, is, the, is, is on some level about hypocrisy, right? And then you have our current pope, who wants to talk about uh, climate change, and yet, but he's not prepared to stand up for birth control. Exactly. Right? You, it, the hypocrisy behind those, it's like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like, don't, you yeah, know, don't exactly. bullshit me, you know? Yeah. And then they say like, okay, yeah, uh, Jesus or God loves everyone. But if we ask for gay, lesbian weddings, like marriage, it's like, no, never mind. But it's like, we are talking about like, not religious weddings. We are talking about like rights, like people should be able to have the same rights, like their kids, etc. But it's like, no, they, they want to talk about everything that it doesn't like be related directly with them. But when you have to, you want to talk about like, hey, why woman can't be priest? Oh, no, 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 no. We can't talk about that. Sorry. Or why priests are like abusing kids? Sorry, it was a mistake. Or now what is happening in Canada, like huge amounts of kids murdered. It's like, sorry. And it's like, sorry, like, what are you talking to me? It's like, you should be in prison and your whole institution because... So, yeah, I proudly say that I'm not part. My <laughs> parents are not that proud of me. <laughs> but <laughs> you have to be in peace with yourself. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. I, I did not grow up Catholic. I grew up Protestant, but I lost my religion a long time ago. I like to say that I'm a born again pagan, you know. And uh, but, you know, I thought, you know, as a somewhat well-read person and uh, educated person and what have you. I thought I had a proper appreciation for the wealth and the power of the Catholic Church. But it really wasn't until I visited the Vatican a few years ago 
that I realized that the wealth and the power of the Catholic Church is almost unfathomable when you go there and you see just the artwork alone, you know, let alone all the things that you're not seeing. But you just you realize, oh, wait a minute, this, it, it's its own government. It's its own city. It has its own currency. You know, and then, of course, they have so many governments uh, and, 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 and believers all over the world. It's it's uh, it's bigger than any one country. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah. That's what I meant. So it's more powerful than in many ways than any one country. Yeah. yeah and they they say that they're working for a better war and to make people free and happy. Right. But then what you see is that they just want to control life and people like. Maybe in a different way that other religions had other like politics, but it's the the same thing, at, at least for me. Like when you use God for manipulate life, that's that's not good. That's not good. And you know, and they don't they don't want to stand up for birth control because of course they want more Catholics. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like it's break. You know, hello, it's yeah. not rocket science. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So Carmen, I, uh, I'm so grateful for our time together. You know, I, I want to be respectful because you're so busy and you're a mom and you have so many things going <laughs> on. I'm so grateful that we have this time together tonight. I just, I, I can't wait to actually meet you. I'm so sorry that I couldn't make it to the show. I was my, uh, I, my, my father recently passed away, so I've oh, had no, to go I'm home. So sorry. Thank you. Thank you. So I've been going home to see my mom and help her. So that's why I was uh, unable to make it to your show at ArtShare. But isn't Badir wonderful? Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he's so nice. Yeah, Shout and out don't to worry, Badir. you're going to have more opportunities. Yeah, Badir oh, is for amazing. Sure. And for Cheyenne sure. is also so nice. Oh, yeah. Cheyenne yeah. is wonderful. Class act. Yeah. Class yeah. act. And that show was so strong. I mean, they did such an amazing, you know, Badir, of course, did an amazing job curating it. Yeah, and no, it, the show it, is still hanging, right? It's a uh, Art Share yeah. LA, downtown LA. How long is the show? Hey, t- tell the audience about the show. Yeah, it's at uh, Art Share LA in downtown LA, and it's until August 20. Got so it, if August 20. Time, yep. You can still visit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, we want we want to get people in the doors there. You know, you mentioned your your man a couple of times, your partner. And you talked about his PhD. What is, and I'm jumping around a little bit here, but what, what is he getting his PhD in? I'm, I'm curious. He's doing a PhD in soci- sociology at UCLA. Oh, fantastic. So is he, does he hope to uh, teach at UCLA or does he want to teach elsewhere or what's he going to mm, do with that? No, how it works is usually is you get your PhD at the university. You, you are not able to work there at least uh, after you just graduate. Okay, you have so, to go yeah. out into the exactly. world. Okay, like exactly. a missionary. <laughs> yeah, right. they challenge you to find a, a work in another place. And maybe then if you're worth it, yeah, you can come back. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we don't well. know. We don't know if we are going to stay or not in the U.S. Too many things. Uh, to, yeah. Well, I know. it's it, Well, the whole world, you could, we're earthlings, right? We, you know, we're, we're citizens of the planet. And uh, we like to live uh, anywhere that makes us happy. And thank goodness you have the opportunity to do that. Do you do you plan on going back to Chile at all, or do you do you think you'll live abroad for the next? We don't know. We are calculating that we are gonna be in the U.S. at least seven years, so two, three more years than now. And after that, 
go back to Chile is probably a start again. Like, you know, like we have families are, or friends, they already move on. So everyone changed in this year. So of course, for one side, we want to be closer to our family, but we know that it's not going to be easy to go back. So we are kind of open to the world. And of course, like art world is much smaller in Chile. And I'm being really, really ambitious. So one part of me wants to stay and see how this ends. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, speaking of ambition and your beautiful, amazing artwork, I wanted you to know that next week in Culver City, Monday through Friday, we are going to be uh, partnering with the Helms Bakery there, and we're participating in a program that they call Projecting Possibilities. Yeah, I know. And I you know, know it. Okay, program. so the, yeah. the, the, the we, we've created a video installation um, that will play and run on the building there on Washington Boulevard, and it will be featuring you and your artwork and all the oh, other winners. Amazing. So please, uh, please go over and see yeah, it definitely. and enjoy it yeah. uh, and tell all of your friends about it because it's going to be really cool. You know, I just can't, my heart is warm and big, uh, Carmen Mardonez. I, I'm, I'm so charmed by you and your work and your life and your energy and your important work, both in your studio and out in the world, working with incarcerated women I know you've you've impacted so many lives in so many positive, beautiful ways. So thank you for uh, putting that love and energy into the world. Thank you for having me today here. You're so welcome. Congratulations on being one of our six 2021 grant winners. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity. You're so welcome, Carmen. Have a beautiful night. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Bye. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode, write a review and share with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please press the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at NotRealArtWorld.